Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Albright. My day job is Chief Legislative Affairs Officer for Zealous Payments, Z-E-L-I-S. Zealous's mission is to enable providers to simplify and save on their payments and claims. I also serve as the Communication Committee Chair for Weedy. That's W-E-D-I. Weedy is a national membership organization where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. And today, in our virtual studio, we're honored to have Linda Reed and Tim Kaya. Linda Reed is CIO of St. Joseph Health out of New Jersey, and Linda is also the American Hospital Association, AHA's representative and the vice chair of the CAQH Core Board. Tim Kaya, Senior Vice President at Optum Care at United Health Group, and Tim is the CAQH Core Board Chair. So today, we are gonna talk about CAQH Core. But before we get there, I do want to talk to Tim and Linda about um, their current leadership positions and how they got into healthcare. What was the, the, the origin story of these two healthcare leaders? So Tim, let's start with you. Uh, how, did you how did you get to your current, current place? Is this what you wanted to be when you grow up in fourth grade or is this? So this is a long time ago. I, uh, <laughs> I, I came to United Health Group 36 years ago. Wow. And um, actually at the time, this goal was way back. I had a choice to uh, prepare taxes or go to work uh, paying claims over at, uh, at United Health Group in their Medicare supplement business. Uh, fortunately, I chose the healthcare field um, out of college. And, um, and it's been, uh, it's been an, an extremely... Um, enjoyable ride uh, ever since. You know, my, uh, <clears throat> my entire career at United Health Group has been around uh, the provider side of the house, uh, whether it be operations, provider operations, network, um, network development, network contracting operations, or the technology side of building, building the uh, connects between uh, providers and, um, and, uh, and payers. Huge proponent of uh, workflow simplification um, reduction in administrative costs, needless costs in the healthcare industry, and you know, and uh, on the CAQH side of the house, particularly CAQH core, um, their mission gets at the heart of that business problem, uh, which is which is really unduplicating costs, bringing collaborative groups of folks together in order to discuss and not just discuss, but to put. Um, meaningful things into this industry that do take um, that do take administrative costs out. So that's just a little bit a little bit about me. I've been fortunate to be part of the uh, core core board and uh, CAQH board for the last 10 years. I think it's been 10 years um, somewhere around that Nate around that that time frame and um, um, I look forward to all the good work that's going on there. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Tim. Linda this is your um, sixth grade dream. Uh, yeah, you know, not really. Uh, but I am a, I'm a nurse by background. Okay. Uh, so that is how I got into healthcare. Um, and in delivering care, I'm not quite sure how it happened, but uh, I was one of the few nurses at the time who knew how to use a PC. Um, and so when people ask me how I got into healthcare IT, I, I honestly tell them I was tricked. And um, and wound up 27 years later, having been a, a chief information officer in multiple organizations. 
Um, you know, I started back when I was a nurse. There was one computer on maybe per to every two, three units. We used wow. it to look up lab results. Um, you know, and where we were then to where we are now is light years, but we have light years to go. Um, you know, every day we provide care, but every day we now see, especially through the pandemic, you know, the need for enhanced telemedicine, right? The healthcare is getting faster, more mobile, needs to be integrated, needs to just, it, there's just so many things that need to go and they need standards to be able to do that. Um, you know, we still have too many things that don't talk to each other. Um, and so for me, uh, the reason I come to work every single day and the reason I think, you know, from an a American Hospital Association perspective is, you know, we care about how our patients get care and how fast can they get care. So some of the things that we do at, at, at CAQH Core really talks to how can you put together the standards? How can we facilitate care? How do we get payers and providers talking to each other faster to provide faster, better care to patients? And so I think from my perspective as a provider, that's what excites me is getting to the point where we can provide these standards that are really going to improve care. Very good. Uh, Linda, what strikes me about your uh, your biography there is the fact that you're coming from the clinical side to yeah. the IT side. And I think that probably gives you a very special angle or view about uh, data problems, right? And and what very they're much. there for, right? Very much. You know, and um, you know, it's funny when some people try to tell me about how, you know, medications are admitted, administered. Um, no, no, no. If you haven't done it, don't tell me because I know. Um, so it is, a, it's a unique perspective and, it, and it's very, very helpful. And it really, from an IT perspective, sometimes a lot of, too much IT is done by non-clinicians and they don't understand the special um, consequences and circumstances. So by having, you know, that background, you really do understand how technology can really impact care for the better or not the better. Yes, yes, very good. And you're bringing that to the CAQH core board, and I'll spell it for the audience here. That's uh, C-A-Q-H, uh, and some people say it's CAQ core, right? So if you, that's C-A-Q-H, and then core is another abbreviation, C-O-R-E, but now I'm going to ask the guests, can you tell me what that means? What what does that stand for, C-A-Q-H core? Sure. Uh, but uh, core stands for Committee of Operating Rules Exchange. And uh, you know, as you think about our industry, uh, our industry, yeah, our industry shares large amounts of data back and forth. Has a need for development of standards, and then it also has a need for development of operating rules around those standards. Um, the CAQH Committee on Operating Rules Exchange, which is an initiative of CAQH, um, is a nonprofit, national, multi, multi-stakeholder collaborative. That, um, that drives the creation and adoption of the healthcare rules component of the standards that are, that are developed out there. Um, to align administrative, particularly to align administrative capabilities around payers, providers, and, and consumers. So the operating rules support standards and specify the business actions each party must take in order to ensure the exchange of administrative transactions occurs smoothly, reliably, and regardless of the technology that they're built around. CAQH core participating organizations represent more than 75% of the insured Americans today, including health plans, providers, 
electronic health records and other vendors and clearinghouses, state and federal government entities, associations, and standard development organizations. So when we think about um, when we think about uh, the organization itself, CAQH Core, it's designated today. So this gets to I think one of the questions you might have in the future. It's designated by the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services as the author of federal operating rules for the HIPAA administrative healthcare transaction. So when I talk about building operating rules, building operating rules, particularly around the HIPAA administrative healthcare transactions. So operating rules are developed by CAQH core participants via a multi-stakeholder consensus-based process. And to date, CAQH core has developed operating rules across all of the HIPAA mandated transactions, as well as connectivity and value-based payment operating rules today. So this is this is fascinating, actually. Right, you, we've got two board members here. One's from the plan, and one's from the provider. And you're actually a great example of what the CAQH core uh, uh, core does, right? And and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Linda, but basically the the government reached out and and assigned this this cross industry group that has both payer, provider, I imagine vendors too, clearing houses, right? Um, to think of rules, basically, uh, I, I'm gonna translate here, Tim, but um, how providers get paid. Is that a good way of uh, talking about it? And that includes the eligibility checks and the 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 uh, the submission of the claims and the sending of what the what the payment is and an explanation of the payment. Um, it, and in and here you've got a board of people and a group of people that are working on rules that facilitate that. Is that a good way to say it, Linda? I think I think that is a good way to say it. Um, at the end of the day, it is how providers get paid, but it it also facilitates how payers understand the care that we're providing. Um, you know, does it make sense? Is it rational? Um, so when we start looking at the next components of what the core group is doing, it, it is looking past some of those legacy rules, right? So today you're absolutely right. We are, you know, we've got some of those, but there's um, two of the, the initiatives that we have right now. So one of them is attachments uh, for eligibility, all right, and for prior authorization. So prior authorization for, I know for me, is is a big deal because, you know, in the past, uh, as a patient, you'd go to your doctor for care. Your doctor says you need this care. They need to get prior authorization. So you call you call the payer. If the payer is there and they can answer, they pick up, it may take days, all right, so it gets back to the provider. It takes another number of days to get a response, right? Who suffers at the end of that, that line? The patient, right? Because now they've been told they need a procedure. It could be a month down the line, right, before all those things. And then if the payer doesn't get back and the provider doesn't get back, it just extends, extends. So some of the things that we need to look at as we move into the future is how do you uh, electronically, right, work through those things so that you can speed up those, transa those transactions. So uh, for the attachments for prior authorization, you know, you know, make those things standards, electronic standards, so that, you know, the, the provider has to give you this um, electronically. The payer needs to respond in X number of hours um, to, to that request. And again, so again, that takes uh, today the, a process that's still quite manual. I mean, how many faxes do we still use today? Um, you know, and who knows where they wind up, right? They wind up in the deli down the street. Um, so... We still use faxing, and, and it's and it's terrible. That's just something that just needs to be taken out of 
our communication realm. So, so that's one. Um, and then we're looking at updating some of the, the eligibility and benefits uh, rules. And again, looking at new uh, new delivery of care modalities. Right? Uh, we've got telemedicine now. Um, how do we how do we uh, tap into that? How do we uh, make sure that there's eligibility for that? So I think some of these the new modalities of care, the way care is changing, um, the speed of care um, are all things that now, uh, you know, CAQH Core needs to really look at in its future to ensure that we're meeting the most modern standards and that we're really meeting care where it needs to go. Very good. And, and, I, and, I, and I love the, uh, the, the viewpoint that you're bringing from the viewpoint of the patient, right? Um, you know, so many times on this program too, we're thinking about how to cut healthcare costs, um, and certainly making streamlining administrative processes will do that, saves time, saves stamps, Ooh. right? But at the end of the day, this is all about the patient and let's get the patient the care as quickly as possible and moving things to electronic is the best way to do that. That sounds like what right we need care to do. at the right time at the right price, right? And I think that, you know, that's what we're all after. Very good. Well, Matthew, one of the things you mentioned was, um, you know, the operating rules and what are they, what are they intended to do around getting, helping the provider get paid um, appropriately, which is really very true. And, you know, the, I think one of the unique, unique, unique things about CAQH Core is the, is the multi-stakeholder representation that it has across. And so, well, you know, you may have, um, you may have a payer that says, here's the things that we think we should do. The provider is able to, to come back and say, well, that doesn't work for us. We're going to do something a little different. And so here's the things we need the payers to do. And as if you become core certified, per se, mm -hmm. um, in eligibility and transaction or in, um, in, uh, in, in the new transaction around prior authorization, as Linda was mentioning, you know, we agree as payers to do certain things. And those are things that are counted on then by the providers in order to interact back and forth with the payers that they can then count on certain things like pair I think Linda mentioned this a response will happen within X number of hours once the information is delivered information will be delivered back within X amount of hours so the patient at the end of it at the end of at the end of that stream of back and forth administrative stuff is actually the one that is actually the one that that benefits but there are the two things that Linda mentioned um, attachments uh, and and eligibility, you know, those are the two things that CAQH Core is working on right now. And, you know, and on the attachment side, so you get a little bit, you get a little deep into how does this process actually work? So, I mean, as you all know, I mean, as we all know, attachments are a bridge between clinical and administrative data that sits out there and they're essential components and they even become more essential into the future around um, uh, risk-based payments, um, you know, if you will. But today, just for payment of claims, for prior authorizations, for referrals, for appeals, you, you need some sort of additional information beyond what the standard X12 transaction can deliver. You know, the healthcare industry is, is, continues to wait for an actual 275, which is the attachment standard mm -hmm. to actually be published and Linda mentioned this. So and I don't know if you know this or not, but um, in, in, in it's published in the 2020 CAQH index. Only 22% of attachment transactions were conducted electronically last year in in 20 in 2020. You know, in any other industry, like what the heck's what the heck's going on? So the vast majority are via mail, fax, 
or email. And I almost think of facts now like microfish from 30 years ago. Right? <laughs> you don't hear about any of that anymore, right? But, you know, the industry can't wait any longer, really. So you'll see CAQH Core now trying to fill that gap into, um, into developing rules around even though there isn't a standard that's in, in place today. So when we talk about HIPAA standards and non-HIPAA standards, we'll get into that maybe in a little bit. But there's really two things um, that, that CAQH Core will publish around, and that is um, infrastructure and data content. So when we say operating rules, infrastructure and data content rules, infrastructure rules, um, infrastructure requirements include minimums for document size that a payer has to accept. You know, so so don't accept something that isn't really going to matter um, in in the size of a of a of a of a clinical record that's coming back and forth, as well as system availability in order to accept those standards and data content. You know, you think about data content about reassociation of the attachment back to either the claim, the referral, the authorization, et cetera. So, and it has to apply to both. Um, I would say X two seventy X twelve two seventy fives and non-X12275, the committee, mm. the board was really pretty clear that, you know, we're looking at not just today's 275, the, the transaction itself, but how clinical information is exchanged in the future, whether it be a CCDA or a BFIRE, um, you know, we still have to, we still have to have operating rules around how do we, how do we put additional information into the, into the work streams. And I would think for, for, um, Attachments, anyways, um, expect rules to be finalized really by the end of end of the year with early adopters in the beginning of 2022. So that's 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 attachments. I don't know, if, Linda, you wanted to talk about eligibility. Um, and eligibility is is very interesting because um, this year we also prioritized updating eligibility because you probably are aware that eligibility was you know one of the first things initiated in 2008. Uh, but there's new business needs, right? So. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned before, there's now tiered benefits, right? There's the you know the the value plans. There's just so many differences. There's telemedicine, different you know, healthcare in the next five years is going to be delivered very differently than it is today. It's not all going to be in a hospital. It's going to be at home. It's going to be in you know the mini hospitals. There's going to be different things. So we've got to we've got to keep up. Um, so while the current rules kind of focus on enhancing this exchange of eligibility information between the health plans and providers, you know, like financial information, co-insurance, co-payments, things like that, like I said, there's got to be new information. Again, clinical information is going to be very, very important even as you go forward through eligibility. Um, so uh, while we developed this in the federally mandated rules in 2013, and they changed, they really did change the game, right? They provided some real-time eligibility checking at the point of care. I remember one of the first systems we put in was like, look at this, right? <laughs> right. We can put in the patient's information and then up it comes. It tells us that they're eligible and we can treat them. Um, it was like magic. Um, well, the magic needs to get enhanced, right, as, as we kind of go along. So again, according to um, the 2020 CAQH index, um, eligibility and benefit ver verification is still the highest volume uh, among all of the electronic transactions that are out there, with almost 84% of them using the 270 and 271 transactions. So uh, again, um, you know, in nearly uh, uh, 188 million lives uh, benefit from those eligibility rules. So I think from that perspective, it's really great. Um, as we start looking um, this spring, uh, there was uh, a 
our core group uh, launched a new uh, group, a new task group, to uh, take a look at this opportunity as we kind of go forward for enhancement. Um, and again, what happened was prior authorization is just a huge need. That was one of the, the things that came out of that group, um, along with telemedicine, um, procedure and diagnosis codes. I mean, there's some others. So we have a prioritized list um, as to what we want to work from through our, our multi-stakeholder groups. Um, so again, as we start looking at this, um, we also got the certification and recertification program, okay. which you're probably aware of. And this helps us to promote, um, build, and then market and increase the adoption of these rules as we get as we put them out. Um, so I think you know from that perspective, as Tim had mentioned, between the prior authorization and eligibility, those two things are just such high priorities, um, and they would solve so many issues um, that they are the highest priority on our list. So uh, Tim and Linda, uh, two things that kind of stand out from what you just told me. The first was that you're proceeding uh, with the the prior authorization attachment uh, operating rules, even though you don't have a standard. So the first thing to, that says to me is that it's standard agnostic, which is which is brilliant, right? Very flexible of the future. The other thing you said is that, um, or whether I've what's implied is there's no government uh, regulator or or group or law that's pushing you to do these future. Uh, these future operating rules, and 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 so what I see is this is the industry coming together um, without the government's uh, with the government's hands off, right? So, for, which seems to me like the good way to go. How does that voluntarily uh, voluntarily doing operating rules? How does that work? Is it is it is it distinct from um, writing as a sub regulatory body? Yeah, I mean, I, I could start, Linda, and then feel free yeah. to jump in. Um, I would say you, maybe one word is like finally. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, good. Um, but the uh, but you know I you know I think uh, you know the or the there's a a certain recognition in our industry now around things that are really non-competitive, mm. and the added cost that they add to the delivery. Of healthcare, and everyone is pressured on costs today. It doesn't matter which chair you sit you sit in, and if there are opportunities to reduce cost, uh, particularly on administrative things like this, by sharing um, and by um, making the process easier. I mean, it's, it's look, what, I mean, from a payer perspective, if you make things more expensive for the providers, providers your contracts with those providers are going to reflect that the next time around. You know, and and really vice versa, that affects premiums. And you know, so there's there's this, there's a there's like there's a recognized desire that we have to do things a little bit differently inside of our industry, and we see that cooperation happening. And when we get to you know questions around where do we see the next five years, you'll see that even more um, more prevalent in our in our industry today. Uh, from my perspective, I, you know, it's a cliche now, but when we talk about automated banking. Um, right? What did the banks do? They came together um, and created um, the ability to have ATMs, right, and, and automate their banking processes. And um, and I think they did that without regulatory uh, requirements, right? They came together as a group. So I think from a health healthcare perspective, um, for us to do something that way uh, is also benefits us because now you can do it in a more collaborative and transparent way. Uh, you're not hitting people over the head with a hammer. 
um, you know, I think some of the things that are important to us at CAQH Core are, you know, measurements, right? Uh, measuring the investment. Uh, does this investment make sense to your company? Uh, do, you know, from the, uh, is, it a, is it efficiency? Is it cost savings? It, it, so, again, um, I think uh, one of the statistics we had, you know, especially from the attachments we've been working with, the Cleveland Clinic and prior off now, um, and what they looked at and they saw was that we have actually seen an 80% decrease in staff time per transaction, right? Wow. Which equates itself to 12 minutes per each prior off. That's, that's a time savings, right? You do that enough times and that really adds up. So I think, again, just understanding where the benefits are. And that's why I think the measurement and the transparency is so important because now you bring people together and you can actually say there is a business case for this. Um, so I think from that perspective, this you know, core really brings those groups together to, to really um, not just say or mandate uh, regulations or, or standards, but to really prove that there's business, uh, business benefit. Very good. I actually have a CAQH core story that I think exemplifies everything you just said and also exemplifies the the magic when you get different uh, stakeholders in the same room together. I was uh, a part of the group that was writing for Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Service, the, the reg regulation for the EFT, for the direct deposit, for the healthcare uh, payments. And so we would tune in, we'd call to the into the CAQH core committee meetings about they're developing this EFT operating rules to learn more about, uh, you know, the banking and everything else. It was a learning session for us. And you had the bankers, you had the providers, you had the health plans. And you kept on going around and around. The conversation kept on going around and around about this trace number and how important this trace number was, right? And the banks were like, "Well, we put it in the we put it in the EFT. We put it in the direct deposit." And the providers like, "No, you don't. We never get the um, trace number." So the conversation went on a bit for ten or fifteen more minutes, and finally they realized that they're talking about two different numbers. The banks have a trace number, and then what the providers want is the trace number that ties it to the remittance advice. And as a regulator, I'm like. Well, why do you need us? You just figured it out. You had the two people in the room, right? You had the two groups in the room that could have figured this out. They they solved a gazillion dollar healthcare problem, right? <laughs> About connecting the remittance advice to the EFT in a room somewhere in Washington D.C. Uh, and, and it really comes to that idea of, you know, when the industry comes together, it it can fix things by themselves. You know, and, and when you talk about what we're doing at CAQH Core, it really is, and one of our going forward initiatives that we've talked about with the board is becoming that facilitator, right? Um, looking to foster the different organizations that have different standards, right? Whether it's Da Vinci, whether it's any others, you, you need someone to kind of shepherd them together to have those conversations in the room. Um, and so from that perspective, I think that looks at the future of what we can do. I mean, you look at what this group can do um, and, and what they've done in the past is, right, they've fostered conversation, they've facilitated people coming together, they've piloted things, and they've been able to scope out the appropriate standards, and then you prioritize them and, and, and have people, you know, adopt them. Um, so what better uh, than the CAQH core to then you know, just drive, begin, you know, just be a force in, in this industry and help drive this go as we move to the future. So I think that's kind of where we're going a little bit. But Tim, please, um, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. You know, you think about 
So, I mean, been, most of us have been in this industry for a long time. So when I started here, we'd get a claim on a piece of paper from, you know, a hospital in Wisconsin that would say, Mary Jones gave birth to twins, pay me $600 on my letterhead. <laughs> and, you know, and then we got a UB82 and then we got a HICFA 1500 and then we got X12 transactions and then we got portals and now we have digital. Right. So I do see I see the industry in the next five years increasingly virtual, increasingly delegated, increasingly digital, if mm. you would. Combinations of electronic, of uh, administrative and clinical payloads going back and forth in standards that aren't even developed yet. And to your point, Matthew, I don't see the government telling this industry what the standard should be for an administrative and a clinical transaction for the many that are that are out there. We're starting to figure that out our, ourselves. And we have we're at crossroads. We really are. Every one of those things that I talked about, we actually rose, cost rose, administrative cost rose through every one of those initiatives that we did, even though they were all designed to be better. So we're at this crossroads now. And then part of the reason why they rose is because we all did things still a little bit differently, but now we now we have this opportunity to work together to say, at one point we're going to exchange data in this set of APIs and IP in one in in a very similar way across, and we're going to build it the same. And the cost of using and sharing APIs is going to be is going to actually take us into a, a place in healthcare where we can actually lengthen clinical time. That that a, that a clinician spends in their day, uh, and shorten the administrative time. So, in the next five years, if we don't make that happen, we haven't done a whole bunch right now. You know, who knows? We could be sitting here five years from now, <laughs> and we be like, but I mean, that's I mean, those are the things that I, I see too. Just building out and from, exactly from a you know provider perspective, that's the you know that's the holy grail for us, right? Be able to spend more time with that patient at the bedside, whatever it takes. You know, you talk to our clinicians today and they feel that they're more of an administrator than they are a, a provider of care. Um, so that that would just be wonderful. But, you know, as Tim mentioned too, from a five-year you know five -year perspective, healthcare is increasingly connected. It's increasingly mobile. It's increasingly immediate. Um, and at the end of the day, we can't um, ignore the fact that patients are clamoring to be a bigger part of their care, right? So. How do we get them involved? How do we have standards that allow us to share data, not just with our payers and providers, but at some point in time, um, that's going to include the patient. So I think as we start going through there and we start seeing um, you know, how this evolves, it's, and it's coming fast. It's coming, I think the pandemic um, pushed, um, it pushed uh, telemedicine to a new level. It showed us that we could do it. Um, it showed a lot of our physicians that said, oh, no, no, it won't work here, that it does. Um, and uh, I think patients liked it. And so there's no going back there. So, uh, you know, it's it's coming and it's coming fast. And we've got to catch up from an administrative rules perspective with the speed at which clinical practice is changing. 
Very good, very good. And and listeners, you you can't see who I'm talking to here, but Linda and Tim, they are very passionate people. They are very <laughs> excited and optimistic about where we're headed. So it's it's this has been this has been great. Let's let's touch for a bit. You you mentioned a few uh, statistics. Uh, tell us a little bit about the CAQH Core uh, CAQH Index, I think it's called. Uh, and I know that might not be associated with Core, but it sounds like that's a great resource. And any other resources you think uh, listeners might be interested in? Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So I can I can start. Linda, please jump jump in too. But um, you know, publish annually now. It it actually gives this industry a perspective on where adoption sits broadly across the industry. Which transactions um, have broader adoption? Which transactions don't have broader adoption? Some of the reasons that sit around it. And you know, like many other things in in our in our industry and in our and in business. It gives you a methodology of prioritization. So when we look at something like I mentioned, the, the um, you know, Linda mentioned the 84% on benefits and eligibility. Well, heck, you know that's well, they have 16%. I mean, these are high volume transactions, and they you know they've grown from you know from what I used to see like a 0.5 benefit and eligibility transaction per claim to now it's almost three, or somewhere around that somewhere around that, and attachments. You know the the the. 22% exchanging electronically, you know, boy, we've got to do a lot better in that range. So the index gives us perspective on where to where we should be spending our time as a as a collaborative group of payers, providers, and third party um, third other third party administrators like EMRs that have to facilitate the in between between payers and providers. But again, you know, um, CAQH Core does also track um, the effectiveness of the programs that they've put together. Mm -hmm. um, so between that metric, uh, you know, analysis, um, you know, did this work? Did, you know, how much do we use it? Um, how is it adopted? So putting all that information together really does then does give us information of, you know, is, is, this, a, is this a priority? Is it not? Is this something we go forward with? Are there other other things that we should look at? So I think all that data, uh, and I think it's a great thing that the that Core does is uh, really collect all that data um, because it really then becomes transparent as to what is the benefit and what's working. Very good. I, I like the idea that it's a, a report card uh, for the industry at large, right? And it's definitely mixed, right? <laughs> There's some things we're flunking, and that's where CAQH Core. <laughs> is putting their energy. Any other resources you want to uh, uh, point people to, uh, your website or the certification, any, anything else you want to talk about? Okay. I, if, if, you know, we can, well, of course we can share all of that relative to website and, um, and the, and there's, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the webpage around, um, around CAQH and CAQH core, um, make available for the listeners, listeners here. Um, certainly, absolutely, Matthew. Very good. Linda, any any closing words? Uh, no, I'm just excited to be part of this group. Um, you know, for so many years, um, just kind of sitting in a different seat, and, and then coming to the perspective where I can now help uh, maybe uh, improve the speed of care um, is just really exciting. And it, and it for me, it, it really is um, something that I, I appreciate to be doing at this uh, this point in time in my career. Excellent, Tim. Anything else? Yeah. I 
I would very much echo uh, Linda's. I I think the next five years are going to be the most exciting five years of your career. You wish careers could be a hundred years long. Um, <laughs> as you as you watch the as you watch the industry change, I appreciate the ability to work ability to work with folks like Linda and others um, across this industry in order to make meaningful progress. And CAQH is a place to do it. Leadership of CAQH is. Uh, um, has facilitated uh, so many good solutions for the industry. And I only see that um, expanding, uh, particularly with the new initiatives around industry alignment um, that Linda, Linda talked about um, over the course of the next five years. So thanks for, uh, thanks for having, us, uh, having us on your podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> Very good. Uh, this has been a great discussion. And of course, uh, CAQH Core's good friends uh, with Weedy and brings us lots of uh, good expertise and good information. And of course, uh, great operating rules that pulls the industry together. Mm-hmm. I've been talking to uh, Linda Reed. She's CIO of St. Joseph Health in New Jersey. She's also the American Hospital Association representative uh, to the CAQH Core board, and she's vice chair of that board. And Tim Kaya, who's Senior Vice President of Optum Care, United Health Group, and he is the CAQH Core Board Chair. Thank you, both of you. Oh, thank you. Thank okay. you. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.